we're starting a new series called New Beginnings. New Beginnings. It seems like at this time of year, there's a lot of new beginnings for people. We're in a season of change. So I've heard of, you know, some people who have just gotten engaged and they're going to be starting a new beginning for themselves. We seem to have a baby dedication every other week here at Northwest. That's a new beginning. You're now raising a child that you're responsible for, How the, 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 the responsibility that comes with that. We had baptisms last week, which is a public declaration of your faith. That, in a sense, is a new beginning for you. You haven't just made it a private confession. You've now made it a public confession. That is your public confession of Jesus Christ in your life. And many of you are now graduating. You're now leaving high school or you're going into college or you're leaving college. You're going from one job to the next. New beginnings abound for many of us. And we need to know how to embrace these new beginnings and allow them to fill up our lives and to be able to move with God as he's called us to do. But sometimes we can actually feel trapped between two worlds. We can feel the, the morning of moving on from one season of your life, but the joy of possibly moving into a new season or even maybe the trepidation that comes with moving into a new season. The anticipation of change can sometimes make us nervous. Like, what is going to happen? I'm about to get married? Is this the right person? Or if I have a baby, am I even capable of trying to raise this child? What if I start a new job? What if they don't want me there? It's amazing how it's, sometimes it's easier to stay where you're at because it's better the devil you know than the one you don't know, right? It's easier to sometimes just stay where you're at. Even what's worse is when you feel like you're caught between two worlds. You're not necessarily moving into a new season, but you're just caught between two worlds. You're, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. I mean, even the great prophetic minstrels, the clash, they said, should I stay or should I go? If I stay, it will be trouble. But if I go, it will be trouble. Oh, some of you are old enough to remember that, right? And, and, and they were prophetically telling you that when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, you're neither going to win in any situation. It's a lose-lose situation. It's which lose do you want to take? It's amazing. Even during the pandemic, there was lots of uh, people who were having to choose what side of an issue they stood on when it came to racial tension or political things or the, or the pandemic. And I've got to decide which, which situation. I, am I, am I, do I believe this? And I declare it. Well, if I do, then I'm going to lose my friends. And I'm, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I've got to make a decision of what position I take. I even heard people that said, if you don't agree with me, then you're against me. No, I'm not against you. I just don't agree with you. That's okay to not agree with you. And so many of us were pushed between this rock and a hard place. Sometimes we can even see it in our families. We can see it in our families where there's tensions in families where I've got to, do I side with dad or do I side with mum? Do I side with the crazy aunt or do I side with the crazy uncle? I went through that with my family too, where we saw a divorce, where there's, a, there's often a, a push where you now have to take a position and you have to defend this person against that person. And you've now got to speak truth and you've got to break the, 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 the place where you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And you're like, I don't want to be here. New beginnings sound wonderful, but sometimes they bring new challenges to us. I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place to know what to do with this building. I know we've been doing what God has called us to do, but I'm like, God, I have no power. I'm not here and I'm not there. Where are we at? Where are we right now? I even hate that game. Have you ever heard that game where they have, it's called, Would You Rather? Have you ever played that game? 
that game sucketh in the name of Jesus. I hate it when they're like, would you rather freeze to death or would you rather have all your skin burned off your body? No, I don't want either. I don't want any. Would you, rather, would you rather have a root canal or give birth to a 15 pound child? No, I don't want either of those. Oh, no, 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 no. Giving birth, Peter, is so magical. That's because you're hopped up in happy drugs when you're giving birth. I don't want this type of stuff. I had a real life situation of this. Would I rather have a kidney stone, which I've been through. Anyone had a kidney stone before? Yeah, they, they, they stinketh in the name of Jesus, right? Now, or would you rather kick a ball in the face of an older lady coming to the church for the first time? I don't want either of them. Why do I have to be stuck between? I don't want to choose either of those. Mm-mm, got to pick one of them. Why can't it be something like, would you rather have an enema or an all-expenses trip paid to on a vacation? I'll take the vacation, please. So easy to pick, right? When it's so simple. But when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, you're trying to pick one thing over another, but you don't want to have to pick one thing over another. I just want to be at peace. I think the disciples were in this place after Easter. We just celebrated Easter. And they were, they were excited about the ministry that was going on with Jesus. Miracles were happening. They could see they were stirring things up. They could see people getting raised from the dead. 5,000, 4,000 getting fed. People's lives were changing. They could see this is the Messiah. The world is going to be turned upside down. It's going to be amazing. And then suddenly Jesus gets murdered on a cross and they don't have their Savior anymore. They don't have their strong man. What do I do? They're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And all the Jews were out to get them too because they wanted to shut this down. Why was it that they wanted to shut this down? Because the Romans were going to kill anybody that stood up to say, I'm the champion, I'm the Messiah. That's why the Jews had to kill Jesus. That's why even when he went to his hometown, they would try to throw him off a cliff because they couldn't afford for him to do this. Why? Because when you find one person who's trying to be the king, then what they do is they kill everybody else around them. That's why they had to try and kill Jesus. And now the disciples knew that the Jews were going to come after them because they knew that, that was the Roman way. But here's the thing, they were actually on the edge of a new beginning. It's easy for us to know that, right? We've got scriptures, we've read about it, we know what's going on, but they didn't know how to embrace this new beginning because they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. So I want to read from chapter 20 of John. If you want to pull it up on your phone or wherever you are, you can uh, join in with me. But I want, to, I want to start asking the question of what are the challenges of accepting a new beginning? What does it look like in order to accept a new beginning? What are the challenges I would have to face? Well, when we're reading in John chapter 20, it's talking about when Mary ran down to the, the, the tomb where Jesus was. And of course, when Jesus had, had, had been put to death, he had to quickly bury them because the Sabbath was about to come and they couldn't have dead bodies around. So they had to like, well, they've killed him. Let's get him in the tomb. But no, no, we, haven't, we actually haven't prepared the body and like tough, put him in the tomb. So she ran down there because she wanted to go and start treating his body to, 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 to honor his body. But when she got there, the tomb was empty. We all know it, right? And so this is the backdrop of this. And Mary was suddenly realized there was no, there was no one in the tomb. So she ran 
told the disciples and Peter and John, they ran down. Tomb is absolutely empty. So here we are, a second time, Mary goes back to the tomb to check on the tomb just to verify where could they have put the body. And here's the first thing that tells us, the first challenge of accepting a new beginning, and it's this. The first one is this. It's easier to hold on to what you already know. If you're going through a season where you're about to go into a different change and a different period of time in your life, it's easier to stick with what you already know. We're gonna be reading from verse 15 and 17. It says this, Jesus said to Mary, woman, why are you weeping? Now, what happened was Mary had gone there and this guy had turned up and she starts having this conversation with this guy and it's actually Jesus, but she doesn't know it's him. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. <clears throat> Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Now, I don't know if she physically held on to him. I don't know if she was just emotionally trying to hold on to him. But things had changed for Jesus. He was no longer the way he was. He was now the crucified, conquering king, right? He wasn't just the, 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 the man, Jesus, who had given up all his glory. He's now the crucified Messiah who was now raised from the dead. And he was now the conquering king. Everything had changed at this point and yet Mary wants to hold on to the old ways. Why? Because it's easier to hold on to what you already know. I know what that's like. When I first came to America, there was many times I just thought, I'm going back to Scotland. This is crazy town in this place. This is crazy town in America or even in this church. It's easier if I just go back to what I know. Why? Well, firstly, people understand what I'm saying and I don't have to repeat myself. Yes, right? I don't have to repeat myself. I know the systems. I know the ways. It's easier to take hold of the, the foods that I like. Why do I have to eat chicken off of a bone? Why don't you take the chicken off the bone and serve it to me? Why are you having to do the work yourself? That's the first thought that came through my head when I was given a plate of wings. Why am I working at this? Prepare it. I'll pay you and I'll eat chicken, right? It's easier to go with the ways that I know rather than accept the American ways that I don't know. It's easier to stick with what you know. The second principle you'll find in this is that it's easier to shut down. It's easier to shut down when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You see, the disciples didn't know what to do after Jesus was executed. And so what they did is they decided to shut down. We're reading on chapter 20, verses 15 to 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, look at this, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and he said to them, read this with me, he said to them, peace be with you. That's the first time he says it. And I want, you to, I want you to put this in your head. 
I want you to watch how many times this gets said. I want this to get stuck in your head. Peace be with you. The first thing that he said, he actually uses the, 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 the Jewish word, what's it called? Shalom, which means let your life be settled. Let it be in balance. Let you be uh, full in your mind, your heart, and your soul, and your life. Let it be completely covered in this peace. But look at this. The doors were locked. Why were they locked? Because they were in fear. The disciples were controlled by their situation of fear and they decided that it was better to stay put. Lock it down, shut it down. Why? Because if you move, you might risk losing what you already have. Listen, if they were that bold to follow Christ and to go tell other people about how amazing Christ was, surely they should have just gotten out into the world and do it. No, they didn't because they were too scared of what might happen to them. So they had to lock it down. Now, oftentimes, many of us do that. We lock down what we have. We lock down what we know. We, we, we choose to shut ourselves off from the world or shut ourselves off from friends because we're concerned with the threats on our lives. But I'm here to tell you, threats on your lives are always going to exist. There's always going to be a threat to you physically. There's always going to be a threat to you emotionally. There's always going to be a threat to your bank account. But you can't let them control you. When I was a child, I remember... Um, sometimes if I, if I was going to go home from my friend's house to my house and it had already gotten dark, I didn't want to go down this particular street because it wasn't lit and it was too dark. So what I would do is I would take this long circuitous route all the way around a neighborhood because it was lit so that I could actually arrive at home not dead. <laughs> right? Have you ever been in that place? You ever gone to bed and you're like when you're a kid and you go to bed with the lights on because you're, you, you believe that somehow the lights are going to stop anyone wanting to kill you, right? You, if the lights are on, then the boogeyman that lives under your bed, he's not going to come out because he does not like the lights, right? And it's amazing. I remember one day I decided I'm going to go down that street because I had to, had to pluck up my courage. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm like, forget that. And I went all the way around again, right? Right? Why? Because I wanted to, it's better to stick with what you know. It's better to lock it down and not try something new. And then this one day I decided I'm going to do it. So I decided I was going to walk down that street. And for some reason, I did this weird thing. I decided to puff myself up, square my shoulders, and then walk with my legs apart like this. Why? Because somehow I told myself I'll look bigger right? I'll look, have, you, have you ever done that before? I'll look bigger. I'll, maybe young guys just do this. They puff their chest up like that, and I'll look like that and I'll look like no one's going to want to attack me because I obviously look like I'm really muscular and I want to move around like this because that's what muscular people do, right? Their legs are all apart, <laughs> right? Their muscles are so big. Can't reach my wallet. You'll have to pay for it, right? <laughs> that's what it's like. My muscles are too big. I'm a, I'm a Scottish dinosaur. I can't reach my wallet you'll have to pay for lunch, right? Just, I'm, I'm too big. It's amazing what we do in order to make ourselves feel strong, right? I have to tell everybody else, you can't touch me. I'm locking down my vulnerability. You can't come close to me. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. And here's Jesus. Jesus is then at a place where, as they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, Jesus decides to enter into the room. And he entered into a room where there was no life going on. You see, when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, you'll discover it's not life-giving. When you're shut down, you're disconnected from your families, your friends, your community, your life. There's no freedom to move. Even Jesus 
had to walk through a wall to try and get into their life. I wonder how many of you are making it hard for Jesus to get into your life because you've locked down so much of your life. Who's in charge of your life? If Jesus could bust out of a tomb, he's ready for you to do it too. You're one of his disciples. But then Jesus gives the next step. Here he is. We're gonna continue on. It says, when Jesus had said this, he said, peace be with you. He showed them his hands and his side. And he's like, ah, ah, <laughs> it's me, guys. Look, look at my hands, look at my side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Oh, we're so glad you're here, Jesus. And he said to them again, what did he say? Repeat it with me. Peace be with you. Second time, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, he then continues on, I am sending you. Now he's given them the next steps. He's like, it's time to stop being locked down. It's time to open up. It's time to unlock the doors. A new beginning was to go do something new. I want you go do what I have done. Don't shut down. Do what I've told you to do. And yet eight days later, watch this, it continues on. Eight days later, his disciples were, what does it say? Insight. Well, is it just because there was sleepy time or something? No, the, the scripture is economical with its words. It's there for a reason. They were inside again. Wait, they had just saw the risen Messiah. They had just seen his hands. They saw his side. They, they, they were so glad they had been res, raised from the dead and yet they're still inside. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were, oh, 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 oh what, what were they? Locked. Oh, so they're locked down again. They're still living in a locked down position. They're still between a rock and a hard place, even though they knew the new beginning had become upon them. Jesus came and stood among them and he said, say again, peace be with you. He keeps saying this. This wasn't, this wasn't a what's up, bruh, a salutation. This was a declaration on their life. Peace be with you. Again, they were locked down. They were shut down. They were not doing what they were meant to do. They met the risen Messiah, and yet they were still living between a rock and a hard place. The point is this. You might have Jesus in your heart, but do you have his freedom in your life? You might have Jesus. You might be sitting here. You might be singing Hosanna and all the songs we just sang this morning. But do you actually have his fullness of his freedom in your life? If you don't, then you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You're shut down. Here's the third thing that I discovered when they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And it's this. It's easier to demand greater evidence before you trust again. It's easier to demand greater evidence before you trust again. John chapter 20, verses 24 and 25. It talks about Thomas, and many of you know about Thomas. Here's Thomas, and this is, this is before he had, they had the second uh, experience of Jesus walking through the wall and saying, what's up, guys? Peace be upon you. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, let's call him twins, Twinsy Tom, right? Tommy Tom Tom, was not with them when Jesus had come originally when he turned up originally. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. Now wait, wait, wait. The disciples didn't believe it when Mary had told them, but suddenly they were like, oh, we know the truth now. We've seen him. You have to believe. And Thomas is like, whoa, a little bit too much. Simmer down there, buddy. But he said to them, unless I see, 
unless I can have irrefutable, beyond a reasonable doubt, proof, unless I can have that, in his, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, I don't know what he's thinking he's gonna do by putting his hand in his side, just like, ooh, that just seems a little weird. But for some reason, he wanted to touch the places that he knew that Jesus had been marked by the Roman guards and had been killed. And he, then he ends up with this. He said, unless that all happens, I will never believe. That's quite a declaration, right? Maybe he's saying it prescriptively or descriptive. Maybe he's saying, I can't. Maybe he's saying, I won't. I don't know. All I know is he said, I will never believe. Now, this, this guy gets called Doubting Thomas all the time. Now, I'm going to be honest. I like Doubting Thomas. Why? Because he was the guy who is a literalist and a loyalist. That means he literally wanted to know where, G, where Jesus was going when he was going to, you know, go to heaven. He's like, hey, I'm going off to heaven. And he goes like, tell us how to get there. Tell us where it is. And Jesus said, that's not how it works. Even when Jesus said, I'm going to go off and I'm going to die for you. He's like, well, let's go die with him. He was a loyalist. Right, so this wasn't a guy who was just a doubter. This is someone who wanted to know beyond a reasonable doubt whether Jesus was alive or not. But you have to weigh the evidence. Mary saw Jesus. Peter and John saw the empty tomb. And the 10 disciples met him locked up in a room. And still Thomas didn't believe. Here's my question for you. How much, God, how much does God have to do in your life before you fully trust him? Amen. How much has God done for you? How much has he done that you still can't fully trust him? Many demand, ah, but I need evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. If you do, then never get married. <laughs> oh, that's all laughter for people who are actually married, right? Because there are no guarantees with marriage. If you do have to have a, a evidence beyond a reasonable doubt, then never drive a car down the road. Why? Because you don't know if that guy's going to stop at the red light and not smash into the side of you. It never go to a restaurant because when you eat the food, you don't know if it's been poisoned for you. We can't support this idea that we have to have perfect proof to be able to prove or believe that God is actually still alive. We have to weigh up the evidence and make a decision here. And now here's what happens. Jesus actually does turn up in Thomas's life and here's what he says. Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, say it with me, peace be with you. Third time peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand right here and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Believe. He continues on. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, the first human to declare Jesus as God, not the son of God, not the son of man, but God himself. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? And this is, this is Jesus' last beatitude on earth. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you and I. The question I've got for you is, do you really believe? You see, Jesus was making a point here. You are more blessed when you trust the evidence you have. Why? Because mature people stop being stuck between a rock and a hard place and they make a choice. Make a choice. 
You can't live between a rock and a hard place. You have to make a decision of whom you're going to trust. Who should I choose? Should I choose Jesus or not? Well, why should I choose him? Let me tell you why you should choose him. Because he's the place of peace. Wherever Jesus is, he's speaking peace. Every time he met them, he said, peace be with you. Shalom, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now, some of us, we like to look for the easiest way out from this rock, between being between a rock and a hard place, because sometimes it's easier just to keep changing. It's easier to keep changing jobs, to change relationships, churches, friends, locations, and you're restless. You're uncommitted because you don't want to be stuck in this position, so I'll keep changing and go somewhere else. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum where you lock everything down and others, you'll stay put where you are. You don't want to take any risks because you're scared of what you will lose and you're scared of change. Listen, it might be easier to hold on to your old ways, but peace be with you. It might be easier to shut down, but peace be with you. It might be easier to demand overwhelming proof before you ever trust again. I'm saying peace be with you. You have to decide that peace is going to reign in your life. And the only way you're ever going to do it is by spending time with Jesus. If you don't want to subscribe to the path of righteousness, you don't want to subscribe to Jesus, that's fine. Find peace whichever way you want. But I have never found anyone else who can bring me peace than when I preach and I speak or I utter or I pray the name of Jesus. When I go for a walk with Jesus, that's when I'm asking for more peace in my life. When I'm under stress, when I'm under trouble and I don't know what to do, I don't know when to go left, I don't know what to go right. I'm stuck between the rock and a hard place between two relationships of two people or two situations or two issues. I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to say, Jesus, speak your peace upon me. Let your peace be upon me. I need your peace. Let peace be upon me. Peace be upon me. Help me to have your wisdom. Let peace be upon me. Let's close our eyes this morning. And I want you to ask for God's peace upon you. To shut the mouths of those troubling voices. To bind up the demonic forces that would try to confuse you and to terrorize you. To ask for forgiveness for not trusting Jesus. To ask for the freedom to break out of these bonds and these rooms that we're stuck in. Jesus, give us your peace. Give us your peace once again. I don't want to be stuck between a rock and a hard place. But I'll stay wherever you put me. I'll go wherever you go. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. But don't let your spirit leave me. Give me your peace, I pray. For every person in this room, I want you to receive the spirit of peace upon you. I want you to receive the spirit of peace upon you. Whatever has troubled your heart and troubled your minds, speak peace upon it. Even if it's as simple as your money, speak peace upon it. If it's your children, speak peace upon it. 
if it's your family, if it's your friends, if it's your ministry, if it's your health, whatever it is, speak peace upon it, peace upon it, peace upon your mind, peace upon your soul, peace in your belly, peace when you sleep, peace when you get up, peace when you're speaking to your children, peace upon you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your spirit. Thank you, Father, for your word. We receive your peace.